It's not just the one place. <laughs> I have pain here. In my famous ass. It's not that bad, is it? Well, you can hear them and you can you can see them a little bit. I mean, you know, fortunately, you know, you, you learn to play the ball, but I'm not going to say it was a, a total distraction, but it is a little annoying, maybe. No, I shouldn't have to change for any other circumstances. I like my hair. It's just things flying in the air that you're not supposed to be seeing. It's not that bad, is it? Jonathan, hello again. Hello, James, in Canada. Yes, so uh, welcome, everyone. This is the Body Serve number 75. Did you know that? I didn't, know. I think that's the... Is that the Golden Jubilee? You're coming with this anniversary thing yeah. again. You're obsessed, you're obsessed with this. <laughs> I mean, 75. It's, it's not nothing. That is true. It is quite the achievement. It's 74 more than we thought we would. <laughs> right. Well, it's really 75 more than I ever thought we would. Uh, so uh, so you're still in Charleston. I'm still in Toronto. Uh, what's What's been going on? Tell me about your day. Today was a monster day for our coverage in Charleston because we were able to get a one-on-one interview with both Mirjana Lucic-Baroni and Naomi Osaka. And we were so close to possibly getting Andrea Petkovic, but she lost her match and was badly injured, had to pull out of doubles like well before she was supposed to play. It was that bad. So for the second credentialed event in a row, Petkovic is elusive <laughs> to the body serve. Right. And she was on her way to an MRI, I think, today, right? I didn't hear all that because I was in and out of the press room quite a bit, but it, it wasn't good. Like Some of the people who work behind the scenes, one of them said to me that, she really could barely walk. Like she was seeing a oh, doctor man. and all that stuff. That really sucks. She's had so many injuries. Uh-huh. Uh, so we wish her well. And hopefully it's not too bad of an injury and that she'll be back soon. This episode, we're going to play for you just the Mirjana Lucic-Baroni interview. It runs around 20 minutes. I am, I'm really looking forward to it. As of uh, this recording, I have not even heard it yet, but I've just heard from you that you really enjoyed it. So I heard there were like tornado warnings and shit there. What else was going on today? It was unclear from the start of the day if we'd get any play at all. The radar from last night for today was terrible. On the weather, all day it said thunderstorms and then it just never came. There was even tornado warnings. And then finally at around 7.30, right when Wozniacki was about to start the night session, it all just came tumbling down. Oh, <laughs> I, th- I so feel like... Night, oh, sorry. So the night session was totally washed out. Uh, luckily, well, it sucks for the fans who paid for it, but luckily for those who were there all day and maybe staying on for the night session, they got a, a day chock full of, of tennis to watch. So I think maybe a lot of them are, are happy to have the night off. Well, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're happy for the rest. But I feel that we have been to so many tennis tournaments that were rained out. Two years in in a row in Cincinnati, we had so much rain, and Cincinnati's supposed to be hot and humid, right? And now in Charleston, yeah. it's raining. I mean, if you have an event that's nine days, and it's outdoors, chance there you're going to get some bad weather at some point. But I mean, you you'd hope it's just a sprinkle here or there. I don't, I don't know what's worse if you know that you're just not going to get any tennis or just waiting around all day through rain delays. 
Either way, rain and tennis just do not go well together. There were some major upsets today, I've heard. Yes. Madison Keys, who's been off tour for a while, she's playing in Charleston. Well, she was playing in Charleston before (laughs) she played her first match against Shelby Rogers, the hometown favorite tonight. Well, late this evening. And Madison won the first set, 6-4. And then Shelby Rogers just ran away with the next two sets, 6-1-6-1. And it's apparently very important for her to play well at home, naturally, because in her on-court interview afterward with Andrew Krasny, she got quite emotional. Wow. And then the other two big upsets, Elena Vesnina, she went down to Fanny Stolar who was the first match I saw when I got on site on Sunday. She was playing qualifying against Grace Min on the Althea Gibson court. And of note in that match, and to give you a little bit of an insight into her personality, if you don't know much about her, she's 18 years old from Hungary. She double faulted in that second set against Grace Min and turned away from the chair, put her hand to her mouth and said, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> or something like so fucking dumb or something uh-huh. like that. She has a bit of a, a personality. Let's say that. But then today, in straight sets, she takes out Elena Vesnina on court three. It was a pretty small court. I was surprised that they put the number four seed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's she's done. She's one and done in, in Charleston. Wow. Vesnina. And then the biggest upset for the tournament, Venus Williams went out. And I wasn't even able to watch that much of the match because Venus started and then I had to be waiting around to interview Lucic Baroni and then again, Naomi Osaka. So I was able to get both those interviews done, including the wait times before and after. And Venus was still on court. <laughs> so I was able to watch a bit of the second set in between interviews, the end of it. Venus came back and won, won uh, a tie break quite handily. And then in the third set, Venus had match points. And I came back for the last game, and uh, she was broken to lose the match. Well, you'll you'll remember that Laura Siegemund has a, a pretty good clay pedigree as far as relative to other surfaces in her career. She has a nifty game. There are some who will question her tactics on court as to whether they're sportsmanlike or not. Okay. We'll leave it to the listeners to determine that. But by all accounts, and from what I saw... Sigamund played a hell of a match today. She was drop-shotting Venus every which way, moving Venus around, hitting winners. Venus's press conference afterward, she was asked how, you know, what happened today. And she said, you know, I don't know if I could have done anything more. I did the best I could. I played well. She just played better in the moments that she needed to. Mm. Venus held two match points and played well on those two match points, but Sigamund just brought it. Oh, well... Venus wasn't despondent in, in press about it, though, so that's that's good. All right. It's a, it's still a positive start for her on clay in that she was able to get three sets of good tennis practice under her belt. Right. Also of note today, I was at the Petkovic match, scoping it out in case I had to interview her, and I'm taking a picture of Andrea, and I just look up directly above the line of the camera and Andrea's head, and I see Richard Williams just standing <laughs> outside right above watching Petkovic play tennis at Althea Gibson Court. It was so cool. He's standing there with his son, watching, and then on the changeover, 
he goes and shuffles along and sits down and watches. And he was doing that all day. He was just walking around the grounds, watching tennis like a fan, just like everybody else. Were people and like the- were people swarming him? Well, also in this episode, I got a little segment with Bree and Chad, two tennis Twitter folks that I met up with in Charleston, and and one half of the foursome that played on court four on Sunday that we talked about in the last episode. And in this segment, we talked about that, that we were so surprised. Well, at least I was as an outsider. I'm not from South Carolina or from the South in general, right? It's a different culture for me. Folks didn't bother him at all. Really? Yeah, they were just looking at him from a distance. Quite a few times I heard people say, oh, that's uh, Venus's dad or Serena's dad. And they just let him be. Oh, I'm shocked. Would you be rushing to go say hello to Richard Williams? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I wouldn't. Like, I don't go up to people and, and talk to them because I'm shy like that. But I'm surprised that more people didn't. Or at least said, oh, hey, Richard. You know how people do that sometimes at tennis tournaments? Yeah. Just to see if, you know, the player will respond or whatever. I'm sure somebody may have said hello to him, but I didn't mm. see people flocking toward him, you know? Oh, that's that's surprising to me. Also, my... uh. My college roommate from undergrad, who is here in Charleston as as well, he was able to score a selfie with his favorite today. Which is? Bethany Maddox Sands. <laughs> oh, okay. It was worth the price of admission for him just to do that. So he was, he was pleased as punch. <laughs> he just started Twitter as well. And somehow, he, I should say he just started tennis Twitter. And somehow he was able to get the handle Tennis Fan Dan. Like, how was that still available? Right. Okay, so after today, who's actually left in the draw? Well, there's a lot of open spaces, and a lot of folks could score a really big win this week now. Of course, the top seeds left. There's Caroline Wozniacki, who is the fifth seed. There's Sam Stozer, who is the sixth seed. And then Gavrilova at nine, and Burton's at seven. And Sevastova, I guess, at eight. So in between that, there's any number of people who could come out of it. I, if I were to pick somebody, I would pick Mirjana because <laughs> she went three sets in her first match fine against Krunich. But today she just dismantled Mona Bartel. It was a thing mm. of beauty. So impressive. She's playing really well. And then this is a type of tournament that somebody like Sarah Irani could come back and have a great result after being away for, for so long with injury. Oh, perish the thought. <laughs> And then on the bottom half of the draw, Lucy Savasheva is doing really well. She beat her doubles partner, Bethany Maddox-Sands, today in straight sets. And then Sam Stozer is also playing really good ball. Her win against Yelena Yankovic last night, it was like she was trying to remind us all of her clay pedigree. Mm. Because she's defending a ton of points from last year in the clay court season. And I asked her about that in her all-access hour, and she says, you know, I don't care about that stuff. Uh, I just show up to play, I'm confident, I'm feeling good, and I'm just going to do it. And she looked every bit the part against Yankovic yesterday. So those are the people I would look out for. Okay. So why don't we get into your chat with Chad and Bree? So you were able to talk to uh, a few of your new friends off Twitter. There's Chad, who's CC Smooth, and some numbers. And uh, and Bree, who's for the tennis, and uh, you're you know looking forward to meeting them and hopefully getting them on the podcast. And you you did today, right? You had a conversation with them. What did you talk about? I did, and 
from the very first day with the foursome that we played the tennis, we wanted to do and made plans to do periscopes, to do a segment for the podcast with the four of us. And it just never happened uh, once the tournament actually got started. And so unfortunately, Steph in the U.S., so sorry you weren't able to be a part of it. Quite literally, it was five minutes before Brie was supposed to leave Charleston altogether. I just grabbed her to finally make it happen. So despite the unfortunate absence of Steph, why don't we play that conversation from today? So I've got with me two very special tennis Twitter pals. We're missing one because Steph in the US already left, but I've got Brie, who is for the tennis, and Chad, who is CC Smooth 13. Yep. Got that right. And we were part of the clay court foursome. We, uh, we had a hit on practice court four on match. Sunday. And that was all set up by Mr. Chad. So thank you, Chad. It was fun. It was really fun. I had a great time. I mean, uh, I try not to show off my tennis skills by being the best player on the court, but... <laughs> if that was your goal, you were definitely aided by Chad, who was doing his best Rafael Nadal and hitting topspin balls over your head. I had to play back up behind you sometimes. Yes, indeed. Um, he's a little ruthless, but I trained him well, okay? And to be clear, that's because you're vertically challenged. Yeah. <laughs> I am, for the listeners out there, I am shorter than Poots. So um, spin can make things a little crazy on the clay. But it was Jonathan, it was your first time on the clay, correct? It was. Ever, got, like ever touching it. Yep, I stated in a previous podcast that it was one of my goals. Yeah for this trip to touch clay somebody wrote back and was like even green clay i'm like yes bitch even green clay <laughs> but it was so cool that the that the tournament allowed us to do that i was really shocked yeah i mean we you just pretty much chatted up somebody and they're like yeah sure go ahead right we were on the same court as miss venus williams mm -hmm. we were and other people so well who is it that left the court <laughs> right before we went on it Kazakina? Yes, that's right. Okay. No? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kazakina right. was we, practicing. We had she had to leave for us yep. to play. We and had to push her off the court. <laughs> and it was effective. And, and we had so we had Steph in the US with us and her mom. Yes, Linda. Who was watching on the sidelines. I fell. <laughs> <laughs> no MTOs were needed though. The in my defense, the court was tore up. <laughs> I think the ball took a nasty side spin. Didn't have the best footing on clay, so I, I, I learned something. Fell right on my side. What did you think about the clay since it was your first time? I was surprised by how non-slippery it was. I think you said, Chad, that it was a little bit different. Yeah, it didn't seem to have the top layer of soil that helps with the slipping. Not soil, but the clay that helps with to slide easier. Did you play in clay a lot? Not much. We have a couple of clay courts in Columbia, um, but mostly I play on hard courts. Um, but the clay here just was matted down more and it just didn't have the slippery effect. I was wondering if that was because like we played at six o'clock, maybe it had just had too much wear and tear from the day. Right. It could have. I really wasn't sure. I'm not sure because it's hard to say because some players can get away with not sliding. You yeah. know, like Osaka, I watched her play. Um, Larson in the first yes, round. Yeah, Larson. And um, basically Larson was sliding all over the court, but Naomi was still, you know, doing her regular hard court movement. Yeah. So. It definitely didn't look as clay as red clay. Mm -hmm. Right. Because dusty even. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a lot cleaner than red clay, I would say. Uh, so what were your 
impressions of the tournament this week? Oh man, this year was wonderful. Um, the crowds weren't as huge as they've been in the past years that I've been. I noticed that. It, it felt a little bit sleepy in parts. Mm -hmm. I think the weather played a lot into that because um, it was just some days didn't get many people in stadium and usually mm. stadiums where most people will go um, but luckily Venus and Shelby Rogers they had really good crowds for their matches and played some kind of good tennis to keep people enthralled in the crowd people really went up for that Shelby Rogers win in that third set tiebreak yeah when they say hometown girl they really mean it here oh yeah and she just beat Madison Keys mm-hmm yeah she woof, she whooped Madison Keys in the second two sets I mean Madison only won one game it was four six six one six one. Okay, so she did get another game. Yeah. yeah. Sunday and Tuesday were crowded. I think Tuesday was Ladies' Day. Yeah. And it usually brings out a lot of folks. Um, I think a lot of ladies who want that twenty dollars off a hundred and fifty dollar clothing purchase. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's what you call hashtag expendable income. Yes. <laughs> or disposable income. I guess yeah, is what disposable. it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Got to get with your American terms, okay? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had a great, it's been a great tournament. It's been great to have you guys come and be a part of sort of our foursome. Um, and we've had a great time with sort of running through the grounds a little bit and getting pictures all over the place and getting selfies with different players. I think that's the benefit of the Charleston tournament over a lot of the ones in the United States is this is the probably the one that you can get pictures with folks and get autographs pretty easily and accessible accessibility to the practice courts is pretty good as well um, I don't know what you thought about that because you've been to Cincy and I know yeah. Bree, you've been to Miami um, but of those three I would think that this may be the easiest I can't speak to that because I've never really tried to get selfies yeah. but I can say <laughs> that of the ones I've been to, I've been to Cincy and then Toronto and Montreal. Right. This is much smaller, much more intimate. Right. Like anytime I needed to leave the press room or the stadium court and go find somebody, I found them within five minutes. Right. <laughs> you know, like right. people were just always there. Right. I would agree. Um, definitely the access is much easier here in Charleston compared to other places you go. Um, I went to Miami last year and Rafa's practice was just, you know, ridiculous. You know, I waited over an hour I think just for him to finish practicing and maybe get a picture and it was so crowded it was like I kind of just want to move on at this point but here it's not horrible um, I mean you can get five feet away from Venus and get some great pictures and see her practice and it's been a lot of fun um, today I got to interact with more people because I wasn't media per se so I got to talk to Big Shasha um, who else did we talk to? We talked to the Venus Superfan. Yeah, the Venus, Venus Superfan. Venus Sign Guy, hashtag Venus Sign Guy, was so cute. So this is a thing if you see, if you go on Twitter and use hashtag Venus Sign Guy, you'll find him? Well, I didn't hashtag him, but I did use the phrase Venus Sign Guy okay. a lot, so you should be able to find him. But his name is Derek. He's really sweet. Him and his friend drove from Tupelo, Mississippi, which was eight hours away, just to see Venus. And unfortunately, she lost, but they got to see Venus get a great picture with her talk to the family even so it was great yeah another thing um, you can randomly see team members around the grounds like I went was waiting for the bathroom early today and Isha Price was literally two people in front of me in line so it was just kind of cool we also saw Richard just walking around the grounds mm -hmm. with his son all day yes yeah. I was at uh, which match was I at? on Althea Gibson I was watching Petkovic and I'm taking pictures of Petkovic and I look up because it's right in the, the, the line of the camera 
And there's Richard Williams just standing at the ledge watching Petkovic try and save three brick points. And you would probably never see that anywhere else, like Miami or anything, because it's just too hectic. I mean, Richard was leaving Venus's practice earlier today, and only one person went up to him. Of course, he said he doesn't do pictures anymore. He's a retired, I think. But um, still, you you can't get you can't beat that. The people were very respectful because I didn't see anybody go up to him or uh, harass him for pictures or anything like that. They were kind of like politely, oh, look, there's there's Richard. Mm -hmm. And he just shuffled along on his way. Yeah. The best way to describe it, I think, is one, I overheard one lady say early today, she was like, I saw Mr. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and her friend was like, who? And she was like, Venus and Serena's dad. You know, it's just that laid back and chill down here. Yeah, and I also think the media that was here, I mean, the, the Tennis Channel coverage, I don't know actually how the coverage was. I haven't seen any of it since I was here. Um, but I think all the personalities were open, welcoming. Um, I spoke with a few of them and sort of bashfully went up to them. And they were like, come here, come here, come here and talk. I mean, it had no kind of qualms with it at all. The Tennis Channel booth was also set up right at the entrance. So it was very central. Like you had, nobody came into the grounds without walking by it to come in or leave. Right, right. And it was great to see Sloan up up close. You got a picture with Miss Sloan? Yes, I did. You can check oh. my Twitter at for the tennis and see all that melanin on fleek. Okay. <laughs> what other highlights for the two of you? I mean, really, my highlights were my biggest highlight was playing on that practice court. That was just so amazing to be on the same court as like Venus and Pekovic and Yankovic had all practice on. You know, it was just something that's once in a lifetime kind of. and that's probably also something that's not available or to do at other places either i right. mean at other tournaments while a tournament is going on i mean we played on a day that the qualifying was going on mm -hmm. so that was pretty cool it was yeah. a little different yeah they they kicked us off by turning the sprinklers on yes <laughs> literally the guy was like oh i gotta water the court now and here come the sprinklers but when we talk about accessibility at tournaments this takes it to a whole new level because it's not just being able to watch players walk by or how easy it is to see them on practice courts. It's also the effort that the, the staff and the grounds people and the people who work on site, the effort that they make to make it more comfortable for the fans, which I gotta, I don't know if you wanna call it Southern hospitality, but it's definitely different here than at other tournaments that I've been to. Well, I read on Twitter um, and even saw Kreeves, um, Kree's friend, and I can't think of the, her name. Shayla. Who said, Shayla said that she has been um, jaded by living in a different location and coming to this tournament. She thinks, why are people actually being nice to me? Why are people saying please and thank you and can I help you with that? And I think that's just so weird. I've been to this tournament probably at least six to seven times and this is my third year in a row. And I just see it as the norm. And also I'm from the South, so that's sort of why. But um, yeah, I mean, they make it feel exactly like that shout out to Cree who is at poo in baby no caffeinated Cree now it changed yes <laughs> she's at caffeinated Cree, Cree. what did you do <laughs> yo Cree it hey was, Shayla it was great to meet uh, Cree and her sister mm -hmm. we met Ron yes who else did we meet Ace from tennis Twitter? um we met well I met this random lady who was like hey have I seen you before and I was like no but I can't but I'll just Twitter? be nice to you today huh? was she from Twitter or just a random lady I don't lady? think she's from Twitter but she made it seem like I had saw her a year or two before but I don't remember you're just famous Brie what can I say you just gotta accept it I got a good face you know <laughs> but who else did we see from Twitter 
Oh, shout out to the the other journalists I met, like UNC Dan. Yeah. Um, Women Who Serves. Diana Lane Dees. Yes. Um, they were all very sweet to me in the press room because um, this was actually my first media credential tournament. So that was something new for me as well. If you hear any ambient noises or cars driving by or thunder, it's because uh, play suspended for the night session with Wozniacki having already taken the court but the match having not started because all day we've been trying to avoid some torrential storms and it's setting up to pour right now. And so there's lightning, there's thunder, we're not under a tree, we're <laughs> under what I'm told is the interstate. Yeah, we're under a highway bridge right now looking real sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Off in a dark corner. <laughs> we look like we're hookering to be honest. <laughs> hookering for the tennis. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. Thanks, Chad, for setting up our, our hit on court number four. That will forever be a life highlight. And thanks, Bree. It's been just great getting to, to know you guys over the last few days. Yeah, thank you for coming, Jonathan. We're I glad to have you, Jonathan. Miss you, James. Yeah, James. <laughs> Where you, you at? We need you around because Jonathan has told me some stories. and um, His ass man. is back in Canada. <laughs> If he wants some of the fun, he's got to get his ass here next get year. Your, you're freaking American. Get your ass back right? in America. But I heard he went to a coffee shop or something <laughs> up the street. Yay. You're right. <laughs> go coffee Apparently shop. Apparently, that's, that's the trouble you get up to when I'm not home. <laughs> you take the dog in the car to go to the coffee shop. Poor Vince. <laughs> but, John, it's like, been cool. Go to the movies. It's been cool having you. So, um, just thanks for coming and, and thanks for being a part of the media experience as well. It's been great. It's been my pleasure. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. I'm definitely feeling a little jealous that you got to meet all these Twitter people that we've been talking to for basically years now. So I really need to make it a point to come to South Carolina next year. And I don't really appreciate that dig at me. Like, don't think I didn't notice. What dig is that? About the coffee? Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, you do love your coffee. Yeah. Um, but that's it- not even a very interesting thing about me. But that's what you said on the podcast. And like one would think if I'm not there, you'd get up to some more trouble than just, you know, getting some coffee. Um, I think that was the point. I feel like you've been giving me all these assignments, so I can't get into trouble. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's move on to the, the, the big prize of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before you left, Mirjana Lucic-Baroni was one of those interviews that we were really hoping to get, you know, that we were really trying for because she, from what I've seen previously, is so smart, gives such thoughtful interviews, really takes it seriously. And um, I'm just, I'm so glad that you got to sit down with her. Yeah. uh, I had a chat with Courtney Nguyen before the interview and she had said, oh yeah, Mirianne is a great interview. And she had described it as it's it's like you're talking to a real adult, you know, just like having a real grown up adult conversation. And it's exactly what it was. She's so smart, straightforward, looks you in the eye, has she seems concerned that she's giving a good interview, that she's giving thoughtful answers. She's totally engaged in the entire thing. I had requested 10 to 15 minutes and it went 19 I'm I'm really happy with how this turned out. That's so great. So why don't we just let it speak for itself? I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. You're fresh off a win today at the Volvo Car Open. You started your first round and you beat Alexandra Krunic, beat Mona Bartel today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, 
really two great wins. Uh, first tournament on clay is always tough. A uh, little bit tougher on the body to mm -hmm. get used to it, especially first week. But I'm really happy I recovered quite well from yesterday, played today, played a really good match today, finished in two sets. I was happy with that and uh, feeling really good right now. You've got Kiki Burton's next. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel about that match? Have you played her once before, I think, at the US Open? Yeah, a couple of years, couple years ago, ago we played, I think, 2015. Yes. Um, she's a great player, obviously, having the best season right now. She's doing great. Uh, uh, it's going to be a tough match for sure, but uh, I'm going to come in, prepare, relax, play a nice match, hopefully get away with the win as well. How do you feel about clay? I love clay. You do? I actually love clay. I know it's uh, people always are surprised when I say that because I do play very fast and aggressive, mm -hmm. and, but I grew up on clay and I, and I love it. I grew up on red clay in Croatia, so I really enjoy playing points on it. I enjoy moving around on it, yeah. sliding. It's a Obviously, very different than hardcore and grass, but uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. When you first started playing, when you first started playing tennis, there were a lot more clay court specialists in the late '90s. Now, not so much in tennis. What do you think is the reason for that? Who knows? So much has changed in these last 15, 20 years. Um, there's still a few good clay court specialists yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, no, they don't. They don't really disappear. They're still there. Um, I think probably the season is a bit shorter now, I would say, the clay court season. It seems like there used to be many more tournaments around the world that are on clay. Now it's just quite short. But it is what it is. We all have to adjust and, and get used to it. Does the Australian Open still feel like somewhat of a dream a few months no. afterward? Uh, it's, it was great. It's, uh, it's great. It was, uh, gave me a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of great memories and feelings. Uh, but it's not really I think about anymore. I mean, I get asked about it, of mm. course, it's normal, but, uh, and it was great, but I'm only focusing here and now, playing this tournament, playing on clay right now. It's there, it's in the back of my mind for sure. It's given me a lot of confidence for the rest of the season, but I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it for what sure. What did it feel like to get so much uh, love from fans and players after it happened? It seemed like everybody was just so happy for you. That was incredible. I was really surprised. Uh, I wasn't expecting to be as emotional as I was, but it was a really long time coming and, and uh, it was amazing the way people kind of welcomed me and and, uh, and a lot of players and, and everybody was really behind me and, and that was really beautiful. It was, it was very special for me to experience that. Do you know what your current ranking is right now? Uh, 23, I think. Yeah, and it's a career high. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. Um, how does it feel to be able to get into any draw that you want in the world right now because of your ranking? I mean, it's it's everything. For players to be in this situation, uh, it's great because you can plan much better. You can plan just the tournaments you want and, and it's much easier. When mm. you're around 50, you can't get in everywhere. You have to play qualies and then you have to decide between playing a smaller tournament or a bigger tournament. Qualies of a bigger tournament or main draw of a smaller tournament. So it's, it's difficult, but uh, you know, Whoever gets to this point has worked really hard, has played well, yeah. and, and uh, that, that's what comes with it. And the competition is much harder. I mean, when you play tournaments like Stuttgart coming up that are really strong, right yeah. away from first round you have unbelievable matches. So, uh, But it's great. I'm very happy with it. You touched on it a little bit with the, the whole business of the clay court specialists, uh, but how has the women's game changed since you were first on tour as opposed to now? I and think even, it's... Sorry, even like when you first came back, um, has it changed from then as well? 
Like, can you talk us through like how the game has changed over, well, over your various times on tour? Over, I've I've played about I think I turned pro in '97, so it's been mm -hmm. 20 years, crazy. Um, it's become a lot more uh, physical for sure. Yeah. Uh, back then, you didn't have girls that are as fit. Of course, everybody was fit, yeah. but now we are really all every girl out there is extremely fit. Uh, you know, everything advances as much as everybody talks about rackets and strings and everything else. People also learn much more about fitness, things to do properly, to recover properly and do how to do treatments. Uh, a lot of people travel with their physios and so a lot has changed in that regard and uh, it's also prolonged a lot of people's, including myself, our careers taking proper care of your body and, and, and learning how to recover better and and, uh, and also work at the same time. Was it a bit of a shock for you when you came back? No, it wasn't. It or wasn't, you were prepared for it? Um, it wasn't a shock. I mean, I was away for a little bit. So for me, in the beginning was uh, maybe there is a little bit of change. Like you could see that everybody can play. Mm -hmm. Everybody could play before also, but now you can be ranked 200 and you can qualify in a Grand Slam and win a couple rounds yeah. or 150 before that was much harder it wasn't really it was a, maybe a bit of a more gap and now it's it feels like you know you can be top 20 you can be seven you can be whatever your ranking is but still if you're playing anybody 40 50 60 you have to be ready you have yeah. to be ready to play on full otherwise you can go home just as easy so everybody's working hard everybody's super fit and uh, yeah and people are also much older much more mature and uh, it all plays a part you've developed a, a reputation of being somewhat of a giant killer in big tournaments uh, is that a, an, a badge of honor for you do you enjoy that and what do you think is the reason why you're able to raise your game on these big stages against the big players like that it's funny I don't uh, I don't think of myself as that at all <laughs> I don't uh, I don't look at it like that Have you heard it before I've heard it before yes but uh, it's almost a little strange for me. Yeah. I, I approach every match exactly the same. Uh, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But I, I play and prepare exactly the same if I play somebody 100 or number one. So um, there's no doubt that I have the game and always had the game to beat anybody mm -hmm. when I'm playing well. So it's just that I'm doing it a bit more consistently now. So. Maybe it's surprising for some people. For me, not so much. <laughs> uh, you've played so many of the great players during the course of your career. Is there anybody uh, maybe that you haven't played dead or alive that you'd love to have played at some point? Ooh, what a question. Wow, I never thought about that. Uh, well, for me, growing up, Steffi was was everything, was amazing. I really and loved And you got to play her. And I got to play her a couple of times, and uh, she was incredible. She was an incredible competitor. Just amazing athlete she was incredible um, it would have been interesting to play Navratilova it would have been interesting to play some of the other players that were a bit ahead of us uh -huh. you know some of the legends for sure if you could tell your younger self one thing knowing what you know now about being a professional tennis player what would you tell 15 16 year old Mirjana Lucic I would tell her most likely do your thing and don't listen to anybody. I would, and I would say that to any young player coming up. Don't listen to the praise and don't listen to the negative comments. I think, uh, especially right now, when I started, we didn't have that as much. Mm -hmm. But now with social media, when you lose, people can be quite abusive. And, and uh, it's best to stay away from that. And even people around, just it's best not to listen to negative comments. 
that is one of the big changes from when you first started the social media. I always, it's incredible. I, I mean, often wonder what that must be like. It's incredible. I mean, I, I don't have Twitter. I, I have Facebook, and I don't even know how some of these people get uh, to message me. But I got pretty upset in India Wells because, uh, I mean, I've got such abusive messages. They're going to rape me, kill me, oh my, my family. And I was like, who sits there? And I was so angry, I wanted to respond back. Wow. And I knew, I mean, in that moment, it's like, you know, somebody's threatening your safety yeah. or life. And, and uh, Do you talk to somebody about it when it happens? No, I mean, I know it's just a silly person uh. behind the desk that doesn't have better things to do, that doesn't have a job. Because if you're a normal, stable person, you wouldn't do no. that. I mean, how somebody does something yeah. in their life should not affect your life this much. And mm -hmm. But it's difficult, you know, when you constantly are getting those messages, uh, it's difficult because there are a lot of players, uh, no matter your ranking, I mean, at the very top and around, everybody gets these kind of messages and it's very abusive and it yeah. can be really, sometimes it can be threatening in a way that it may uh, put some fear in you. I, I, I don't feel that. I just, it's, it's frustrating when somebody yeah. dares to talk to you like that. So I would say stay away. It's difficult in today's age to stay away from social media. Do you see any benefits to the, to the social media? I mean, of course, you know, you can have... It's, it's nice to interact with your fans, mm -hmm. and I've always enjoyed that. But there's some crazy people that maybe it's best to kind of avoid, yeah. for me personally. But I understand social yeah. media. You want to stay close to your fans. You want to show your fans what you like, and, and that part is okay. But the, both things come with it, the benefits and the... the the things that are not so good. So the, that's the definitely things. one aspect where when you started was much better about tennis. And that was better. We did not have Twitter. We did not have Facebook. We didn't have those things. But in general, you still even then had people who would come up to you mm -hmm. and be uh, 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 abusive or negative. So I think for me, for me, I would give advice to any young player. Just don't listen. And if you hear yeah. it, block it out. Don't, don't pay much attention to it. Even though it's difficult, mm -hmm. but... That would be my biggest advice. You've been very candid about some of the struggles that you had in your early career. At this point now, being a mature player on, on tour, having success again, do you look back at those early years and think, well, wow, those were some missed opportunities, what my career could have looked like at some point? Because you had unprecedented success to start your career as a junior player, winning your first singles tournament, first absolutely. doubles tournament. No, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, I've come to a stage where it is what it is, it was what it was. There's no there's no reason to think about what could have been. The, the past is, is, is past. It, it stayed where it's supposed to stay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I've proven even now at the age of 35 that I'm still one of the really good tennis players out there that I can come and play, be at the end of a Grand Slam and be where what could have been, who knows, you know, a lot of good things could have been. but. It is what it is. Uh, sometimes life can give you some difficult times, and it's. I think it's all about how you how you handle it. Uh, the adversities, you know. Some can be on the court, some can be off the court, and, and we all have our cross to bear, and 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 that was mine. But I'm very proud of myself as a person, the way I've uh, gone through everything, and the way I've matured, and and that I'm uh, perfectly functional adult today with a happy family and husband around and, and, and that's important. I think your mental health is uh, something that's very important and, and if you're in those situations, unfortunately where I was, it's important to get uh, out of it and it's important to work at it and, and uh, no matter what adversity it is, you can get through it. That's the, that's the biggest lesson in my life 
off the court, on the court, and that's where I draw a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. That sounds like there's a lot of satisfaction from your own achievements and being able to pull through that. But do you get any satisfaction from maybe proving doubters or detractors wrong as well? Well, you know, I mean, I never focus. You never focus on on, on the doubters or anything. But sometimes <laughs> when no, no, but sometimes when somebody tells you, it's like it's nice to, yeah. you know, it's nice to say aha, you know. <laughs> but yeah, if you. I think if you focus on that, if that is your goal to prove somebody wrong, you're, you have failed already. Yeah. No chance. You're, you're doing things for the wrong reason. I'm very proud of my success. Uh, even it is what it is, uh, but I'm very proud of, of the things that I've achieved mm-hmm. and the things I've went through. And, and uh, my results have always spoken for, it, for, it, for themselves. And, and right now they continue. So that's the way I like it. You started on tour at the same time, just about as the Williams sisters, and they're still playing top tennis uh, at your age, and even being a little bit mm-hmm, older. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that give you any inspiration at all? Well, I mean, inspiration—it's—it's it's amazing. It, it, you know, we we have grown up together and played, and and so it's it's weird. Uh, maybe inspiration—I wouldn't use that word, but because I'm still here, yeah. so. If I was kind of not playing or looking to come back again, probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're both uh, incredible athletes, uh, great players. And what both have done, especially Serena, is quite incredible, you know. And they deserve a lot of credit for sure. But uh, we all have to find our, our, our own way. Our yeah. roads are a little different, you know. And you just have to mind your business and, <laughs> and worry about your own things. What are your goals now? Uh, now that you've achieved so much success in 2017 in particular. Uh, getting to the semis in Australia, quarterfinals in Miami, up to number 23. Have your goals changed? Have you had to like, okay, well, let me look at the rest of my year differently now? No, for sure. We have uh, our own thing, but I never like talking about my goals. I like to keep things for myself. Uh, just because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a very humble person and I don't like to talk about anything okay. that I plan to do. I like to keep it to myself, my coach, my husband, my small team, my family. And that's it. Uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how things go. Uh, on the podcast and with previous players that have been interviewed, mm-hmm. I do a, end the show with like a, a quick five, fast five questions. Oh gosh, okay. And uh, one of them, there was a segment in the past where we did a tennis diva segment. Okay. Where we look at tennis players and imagine what they would be as, or what their, mo- their closest approximation of a regular music diva would be. Okay. So, for example, okay. uh, we had said, my co-host and I, that Serena would be maybe a cross between Beyonce and Mariah. Okay. <laughs> On the okay. show, Svetlana Kuznetsova said that she'd be Rihanna. Okay. Uh, and Sanya Mirza said that she'd be a cross between Adele and Beyonce. Okay. So, I know you've been put on the spot, but can you wow. think of... Wow. A pop diva who would be Mariana lucic Baroni. Somebody who's nice, who's not really a diva. I'm not. Okay. I'm not much of a diva at all. Uh, I grew up loving Celine Dion. Oh, that's okay. And uh, so, kind of, she to me is class, is mm-hmm. quality, without being too much of a show person. You, you just, I'm I, a bit more shy than I appear. <laughs> Do you go home and, you know, have a dance? Oh, I belt it out. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> in the shower. I'm really good in the so shower. So, what's your favorite I'm... Celine song then? No, 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 we're not gonna go there. Not we're not to gonna sing. sing no. I'm not asking to sing. Uh, no, but uh, I don't. I haven't listened to Celine in a little while uh, now. I listen to Beyonce. I listen to everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love Rihanna. I love uh, 
I love everybody a little mm. bit, but uh, you answered. More, it was more. It was Celine. It was more in a sense that she's great, but she's classy. She's mm. elegant. She's not in your face, yeah. and just because that's the closest I could match, I guess. You answered one of my follow-up questions because okay. we also asked Whitney, Mariah, or Celine. Whitney, okay. And you just came up with Celine right off the bat. I came up with Celine. Uh, it was Whitney, Mariah. Yeah, definitely, definitely not Mariah. Celine. Yeah, I, I would definitely not be Mar a Mariah. Whitney was amazing. That would be someone. But this question, just in terms of who you like to listen to, well, it's, it's obviously Celine, right? Uh, well, Whitney, I, I adore Whitney. Yeah. I adore Whitney. But even Mariah, I, I mean. All the really good singers, uh, uh, really good vocalists, uh -huh. I've loved my whole life. And Mariah, I, I've loved Mariah ever since I was a little kid. So, and actually all three of them. That's the perfect answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're appointed tennis commissioner, what is, this is a make-believe question, what's the one change you make on day one? The first thing you changed about tennis? Wow, that's too difficult. <laughs> There's so many, so many things. Well, it doesn't have to be one. If you want to give us a whole list, that's good oh, too. Oh my goodness, tennis commissioner. Wow. I can't, I can't even, I have to think a little bit because I can't, I can't come up with one thing. I, what I would do is, I would cut medical timeouts. Um, they are necessary in some cases for sure. There are a lot of players that are known to abuse the rule a little bit, or a lot of it. So cut it all together, or maybe limit it to just one, or it would be difficult. <laughs> That's why it's such a difficult yeah. thing to do because uh, it's hard. Because sometimes you really do have an emergency, yeah. or you have something that you need that that may be helped. But sometimes just uh, yeah, sometimes people abuse the rule a little bit. That would be one of the rules that would be. If it's an actual physical injury, if you just don't feel good, you feel mm -hmm. dizzy, then you can't play. So. Last two questions, and they're fun, light, okay. nothing too serious. Of all the players who've retired during your time on tour, who would be your dream comeback? My dream comeback? I would love to see Steffi around a little yeah. bit, for sure. Um, I would love to see Gabriela Sabatini. I think she was amazing to watch. Um, she would have retired right when, right when you started. Yeah, right? yeah. So I didn't get to see her live much, yeah. but she was. Uh, I remember as a kid, I was, I was watching her, and, and she was so different than everybody in mm. her style. And she was very flashy, but she was, uh, she was a lot of fun to watch. And finally, I guess I should have asked this at the start of the interview. Hopefully, I haven't asked this question. If you could retire any question from being asked to you ever again, what would it be? So it that no be, press could ever ask you this question if again. no press could ever ask me, it would be about my past, about my father. And well, anybody that doesn't ask me, I appreciate very much. Well, I try not to be specific about it. No. I was more general. No, no. Yes, okay. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank my you pleasure. so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Have Thank a great day. Much. Good luck. Thank you so much for that interview, Jonathan. I think you're thanking me. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. Um, I think our listeners will find it interesting. And uh, what can we say? We wish her the absolute best in this tournament and always like you just have to like her right you you really do and uh we at this podcast wish her all the best in the rest of the year the rest of her career and many thanks once again so you're in charleston for the next two days you have two days left what are the plans 
what what are what have you not done that you want to do? Have you had I, fried chicken? Um, what what do they eat down there? What do you still need to try? Everything. I haven't been able to do anything outside of the tennis. Really. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, maybe tomorrow night sometime I'll be able to go out. Or Friday, because I have to leave Charleston by 3, the latest. Maybe I just won't go on site that day. Maybe I'll go downtown Charleston, mm. see some of the sites. I don't know. Uh, but tomorrow is going to be more work on site. Hopefully getting some more goodies yeah. for y'all. And then we talked about the Naomi Osaka interview as well. That will appear on a subsequent episode. Right. So I think that brings us to the end of this episode, right? I think so, yeah. So, uh, I guess, well, I'll see you soon. Yes, in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, for keeping up on Jonathan's dispatches from Charleston. You can find us on at the body serve on Twitter and at the body serve on Instagram. I am James. I'm at Elliot JMR on Twitter. Two L's, two T's, and I'm Jonathan at SportsCribeCA. Again, thanks for listening. And till next time.